Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Dr. Scott Resnick. And we're talking about how the disruption of our barriers can lead to autoimmunity and chronic illness and what we can do to protect them. Scott offers us his insight through relatable story and gives us actionable advice on steps we can start taking immediately to help support our immune systems and our overall health. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. I am so excited to to bring your perspective and different ideas to listeners. Uh, I was telling you before we hit record, I, I get really jazzed when it's something that I know, even if they've listened to every episode they haven't heard before. Um, and so this is this is one of those episodes for them. I love to begin with your story. I want listeners okay. to get to know you a little bit and kind of find out, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. So whatever part of your journey you want to share with us okay. that led you to where you are today, please share. Okay, I will do that. And I'll try to keep it brief. So my name's Scott Resnick. I'm a physician. I was actually trained as a, an OBGYN. And with these skills, I went to a town called Taos, New Mexico, which is one of the most unique places in the United States. And it's unique in the fact that still to this date, something like 20% of births are out of hospital. People have a different idea about, about health. They don't go racing to the doctors. And what I found is that even as a surgeon, I was turning to more what we would call alternative ways of looking at health to get my people better or my, get my patients better. And so I found that instead of bringing people to surgery, I was working with their musculoskeletal system. I was working with their bowel function. I was working with their diet. And so bit by bit, I, I and also I've been using bioidentical hormones in my um, female patients since 2001. So I guess I don't, I'm almost kind of like an old guard in terms of having having used those. So what I started to realize is that there's a, there's a different perspective in terms of how we can be approaching health. And in maybe 2010 or 2012, I did the fellowship with A4M. Some fellowship trained with A4M. I've put my surgical career on the on the back burner because my passion is, you know, really helping to bridge this gap between, say, a more conventional approach to medicine and what we refer to as functional medicine. And I think there's a, I think there's a happy medium. You know, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. That if, if I'm if I'm stabbed, I want antibiotics general anesthesia and a surgeon. But Me I think too. that for yeah, <laughs> but I think that for so many of the chronic diseases that that we're approaching it from the from the, the wrong perspective. And what's interesting is that I trained as an allopathic physician. I went to an allopathic medical school, medical school, did six years of postgraduate allopathic residency training. And then when I'd been an allopathic doctor for about a decade, I decided to look up allopathy and see what it means. And I literally got on Google and I, I, I looked up allopathy and I discovered that the allopathic practice is the use of drugs, creams, potions, medicines to counteract a symptom. So I spent four years in medical school, six years in postgraduate training, learning how to address symptoms but at no point do they ever get us to begin to think about 
what could be driving these, these systems or what could be promoting these disease states. So I think that as a doctor or as a health coach or as a nutritionist or anybody, when you, when you start to reframe your perspectives, we begin to get different answers. So it's, you know, if we keep on asking the same questions, we're going to get the same answers. When we begin to look at different questions, we begin to get some different answers. Well, I'm glad you didn't look that word up before you went to medical school. You <laughs> might have chosen a different career path. That's um, possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, I wonder how many physicians have never looked up that word. Right. Um, so for me, that question, the, the different perspective is the question why, mm-hmm. right? right? Why? That's mm-hmm. the question they don't really teach you to ask in medical school right. or, you know, or, or discover. And you are all about thinking different. Right. Um, and so I am really excited that, and I'll let you start as broad as you want, but I want you to narrow down to okay. this, how the disruption disruption of our barriers drives autoimmunity, because this is a topic that's it's so essential. And they're going to hear about the other parts of what I think you might touch on, but nobody's given us a deep dive in this idea of, of our barriers and why they're important and why they're compromised and what we can do. Right. Well, I think that as we discussed before this, before we got started here, I think that one of the most valuable ways that we can communicate complex ideas is through parable, right? I mean, the, you know, the shaman, the churches, they figured that out a long time ago that that people respond well. So I think to to begin to introduce this idea, what I'd like to do is to to generate just a little story. All right. So imagine that that we, you know, we have our, our, we're humans, we're inside this body, right? And we need to protect the inner workings of our body. Now we live in an an environment where we need to interact with our outside world. I mean, really any sentient living being on this, on this planet needs to engage with the outside world. Primarily we need to eat and we need to drink, right? But it just so happens that there's this, this whole other life form that's out there, which is microbial. And it's it's invisible to us. So over the the years that we've been on this planet, we've needed to develop a way to actually have selective, permeable, semi-permeable barriers that allow the things that we want to take in from the outside world, like food and nutrients and vitamins and water, yet keeping out this microbial world that we are unable to see. So the parable that I'd like to develop is this idea of a king or a queen in his or her castle. Okay. So if you think about it, you've got your valuable king or queen and what they want to do is they want to protect themselves. So what they've done is they build a castle and that castle has got strong fortified walls, right? If you're, if you go for the deluxe upscale castle, you've got a nice moat that surrounds it. And because this is in the story, a benign king and queen, just imagine there, there are, there's a whole kingdom of peasants who love their king and queen and want to see that the king and queen are safe. So what happens is, but yet, you know, of course there are, there are marauding people that want to come and take the the king and queen's gold. So what they've done is they've set up an established, they've established a set of barriers that are, that are hopeful to, you know, to keep them safe. So in some ways I see the human body as needing to establish barriers to the outside world. So we have a number of different barriers. Um, You know, one of our barriers, our, our biggest organ in our body is our skin. Right. And as we know, that's a semi permeable membrane. We have our gut, 
which I'm sure you've talked about Alessio Fasano at, at you know, at Mass General uh-huh. Hospital. And as, as and, somebody with celiac, he, he's oh my definitely gosh. on my reading list. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite lecturers and, and, and thinkers. But, you know, he describes the fact that if you were to spread out this barrier of our gut, it's as big as a doubles tennis court. Right. Now, if you think of the fact that our immune system is charged with protecting that barrier, it means we need to be able to find something which is 10 billionths of a centimeter a virus in something which is as big as a doubles tennis course. So you can see that that task is Herculean. We also have barriers that, that are an interface with our lungs as well. So we need to be able to take in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide, but there are any number of different particles or viruses. I mean, look, we just went through COVID, you know, these are, these are, these are airborne. So, and then what's interesting is that when you can, so these are the main barriers that I think that our body is tasked to protect. But then if we go even farther and even deeper into our physiology, you can begin to think about other barriers, such as the blood brain barrier. And there's also something known as the subendothelial barrier. And what that is, is that's the lining underneath our blood vessels. So when one really understands what's happening with cardiovascular disease, you could actually make a really good argument that cardiovascular disease is an autoimmune process. The autoimmune process. You sound process. like a functional medicine doctor. Oh no, oh, the word's out. <laughs> I love it. So, so you, can you see mean that- it's not just just all cholesterol it's not <laughs> it, it's, it's not all cholesterol and the treatment is not just statin drugs no, no thank so, you so 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 it's interesting so what's if i can just get into a little more of the science and again i promise that keep this this the simple, simple. so keep uh, it simple. At, at these at these barriers are things known as antigen presenting cells and basically an antigen is anything that would stimulate our immune system to being revved up okay so if you've if you've got celiac disease the antigen you're most concerned about is, is gluten, right? Yep. So what's interesting is that when you look at our physiology, so an, 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 an antigen presenting cell basically identifies something in the outside world, you know, and what it does is it sends messages to our, the rest of our immune system. So it presents these antigens to the rest of the, of the immune system. So what's interesting is we've got antigen presenting cells in our gut. They're called dendritic cells. We have antigen presenting cells under our skin that are called longer Hans cells. So anything that penetrates our skin, maybe it's a mosquito bite, maybe it's a, a brush with poison ivy, that can stimulate our immune system. And what's interesting is that last year, there was a lab at Harvard Medical School that actually showed that under the lining of our blood vessels are, you guessed it, antigen presenting cells. So our whole immune system's job is to protect us across these barriers to, to basically keep us safe. Because the truth of the matter is if you peeled back my skin and got a little scoop of Scott and set it on the, on the sidewalk, it would be teeming with bacteria, parasites, yeast, probably within a matter of hours. So we need to maintain these barriers to be able to protect us from the outside world. And that's really what the entire immune system is charged with. It's keeping us safe. Wow. And I knew, see, I knew you were going to bring a different perspective and I love I, I love that idea. I'm like, all right, I want a moat. I want a drawbridge. I want. <laughs> okay, so let's so let's let's go back. Let's go back to that metaphor. So this is this is not a misplaced metaphor. I haven't thought no. about it. So so you know probably the easiest barrier to talk about is the gut. And sure. I know that on your uh, on your show you've had you know a number of people a number of discussions about the gut. So I know that your listeners are probably pretty pretty savvy about it. At What's least interesting? Willing is- to finally accept that that the gut is you know, a key player in autoimmunity. 
Right. So I think it's probably one of the primary players. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, over the course of the year, we all eat more or less 2,000 pounds of food. So you can see that there's a, there are a lot of molecules that are, that are making it into our body that need to be reconciled by our immune system. And an important thing that I want to mention about the immune system is the immune system's job is it's, it's pattern recognition. I mean, it's looking for molecules that have a shape, an electrical charge, a characteristic that just tells it that this is, this is a dangerous stranger, right? So what we want to do is we want to keep one, maintain our barriers. And I'm going to talk about how we can do that. The other thing we want to do is, is make sure, do our very best to ensure that, that the, our immune system is not being exposed to an antigen, a bacterium, a yeast, a food that could be setting it off into a hyperexcited state. Because ultimately, I think that one of the most important things about what drives our immune system is this concept of molecular mimicry. Wow. Have you come across that? I have. And that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about this pattern recognition. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> right. well, molecular so, mimicry. Because, right. uh, uh, yeah. So the easiest way to understand that is to, I mean, many of us have kids, right? And when a kid gets strep throat, what do we do? Ring up to the doctor. The doctor gives the kids some penicillin. Now, here's an example where allopathic medicine might be realistic. Because what happens is that the, the, the strep bacteria actually has patterns and markers on it that resemble the valves of our heart. So rheumatic heart disease is when you get a strep, you know, you're, you're infected by a bacteria, again, probably going through our nasal sinuses and, and you know, going across that barrier into our, into our body. But what happens is that the immune system confuses those antigens with molecules that are actually normally present in our body. So I think one of the most important things to recognize is that to keep an immune system happy, we want to one, maintain our barriers, and two, keep to the best of our ability, everything that's that's in the realm of our immune system of these, you know, these dendritic cells, these cells that are constantly sensing and determining, you know, is our is our environment safe? Our, is our gut filled with bacteria that are helpful bacteria that are going to down-regulate our immune system? Or is our gut filled with a bacteria that, that might keep our immune system revved up? And then when we have too many of these patterns or molecules that, that could potentially confuse our immune system, I believe that this molecular mimicry is, is a, a big part. And I know you've gone over some of this stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of studies looking at things like Klebsiella and ankylosing spondylitis or rheumatoid arthritis. You know, there are a number of bacteria that are associated with rheumatological diseases. So I think that one thing that we can do is, is, you know, ensure that the molecules that we are exposing to our immune system across these barriers are as easily recognized and as helpful as possible. So, you know, you and I both know what we're talking about. I mean, if it's, you know, if we're, if we're consuming organic foods, if, if our body is digesting these foods down into smaller groups of amino acids and not long chains of amino acids, which are proteins that could be recognized as something else. What, and if we have a microbiome, you know, a hundred trillion bacteria in our gut that are the good type of bacteria these immune cells that are on the other side of the walls and kind of keeping, keeping charge of what's going on are, are, are down-regulated. They're not getting into a kind of like a worked up place where they need to create an autoimmune process, which by definition is an inflammatory process. Our body really has one way of combating these things, and that is through inflammation. And as you know, inflammation is one of the most, you know, it's the, it's the tie that binds of not only autoimmunity, but all chronic diseases. So diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, 
all these things are based in inflammation. So the, the name of this game is to one, maintain our barriers, two, expose ourselves to the least number of molecules that could get our immune system out of whack, and three, maintain the nutritional state that we can we can have a healthy healthy immune system that's working well. And a good, a real simple example about nutrition is just like vitamin D. I mean, you know, the amount of data that's out there between, you know, vitamin D and multiple sclerosis. I mean, so, you know, there are a number of different things that we can, we can do to help maintain some of these barriers. And I promise I'm going to get back to our discussion about the castle. Cause I think that's a, you know, <laughs> pictures, pictures worth a thousand words. And while your listeners may not remember what I'm talking about, hopefully they'll, they'll remember the, the, the image of, of this castle. Do you have any questions at this point? I Follow have me. so many questions questions, but not three hours. Oh. No, I, I want to dive into because I mean, this is it. And this is the key, right? I, I always joke if somebody were to just turn on a snippet in the middle of the podcast, it kind of sounds gloom and doom sometimes. Cause you know, we're like, we're exposed to all these things and the, the, all of this. Is oh, right. And, right. And so that's not why you and I are here talking today. And, and while we have to set the stage and I, I do love the, the castle, I, I, that will stick with listeners and I'm a visual learner. And so mm-hmm. I, I love it. <laughs> Let's start to talk about the, the how, like what, what can we do? I mean, you mentioned kind of the key as okay. far as, you know, the nutrition and, and limiting what we're exposed to. And, but really I, for me, the biggest thing I want to dive into is, well, okay, how do we, how do we maintain those barriers? How do we protect them? But we probably do have to start with, because people are already listening, their barriers are probably already in trouble. Right. So, you know, wherever you want to start with the, with the three. So, so probably one of the easiest thing to start with is the skin, right? As I mentioned, that's the, that's the largest organ. It is a, it's a permeable membrane to fats. I mean, you know, we put our hormones on our, our skin and they, and they make it into our body. I think one of the most important things that your listeners can do is know what you're putting on your skin. And you know, that there's a, there's a website, which is by the environmental working group. It's ewg.org. And there's a tab on that that's entitled Skin Deep. Mm-hmm. So this is this is gold. I mean, so what we want to do is we want to remember I mentioned these cells called Langerhans cells, these, these antigen presenting cells that live under our skin. Just make sure that you're not presenting any of these cells with anything that could be perceived as a toxin. So and I promise got- if you're not already taking the steps to make sure you are actually putting tons of toxins all over your skin all the time. Right. Now, the other thing that we can do is we can also ensure that that we have, I haven't talked about this, but there are three hormones that are involved in balancing our body's energy, which is insulin, thyroid, and cortisol. And I think many of your listeners, I'm sure, have struggled with a state of hypothyroidism, if not Hashimoto's. And what is one of the classic signs of, of hypothyroidism? It's dry skin. Right. So you can imagine that as our, our skin gets dry, it doesn't function as well as, as a barrier. If we have high cortisol from too much stress, cortisol by definition diverts blood away from our skin because it's intent on keeping our brain and our heart alive. So if somebody has dysfunctional cortisol, that can similarly affect the way that the, the skin is perfused, the amount of blood flow that we get to our skin. So the, I figured I'd start with the barrier of the skin. It's our biggest organ. I think it's really important to, to ensure that you're not putting any kind of, any kind of toxin um, on, on your skin. The next biggest barrier is our gut. 
Okay. So if we go back to the castle metaphor, right? When you build your castle, you don't want to build it with a bunch of cracks in the wall and and you know a, draw, a drawbridge that doesn't you know that doesn't work well. Half open. So <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't don't want to leave it don't want to leave it half open. And it turns out if you're the king or the queen and you've got your guards who are guarding your castle. You don't want them hanging out in the in the basement in the mess hall, you know, drinking drinking grog and, and telling war <laughs> stories. You want them up on the on the margins, on the parapets of your castle. So is it any wonder that 75%, maybe 60 to 75% of our immune cells in our body are located within one centimeter of the lining of our gut? So it's almost as if this the, the, the king of our, you know, of our, of our castle, of our body's castle, had said, let's send out our our guards to the to, to the barriers, and while we're talking about the the gut, if you were to so, so let's say you went you know you, you sprung for the moat when you when you build your castle, yep. would you prefer to fill that moat with water or acid? Well, I'd probably choose acid because yep. that's gonna that's gonna actually that's help effective. you. So so now for if you want to surround our 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 moat with acid, we can do the same thing in our gut. So it turns out that having a healthy stomach with the cells that make hydrochloric acid, if we're acidifying our gut well, then that's one of our first lines of defense against these, you know, these invisible microbes that that are coming in on the 2,000 pounds of food that we eat every year. So if you take your car and you spin it into McDonald's while you're on the phone and you gobble down a hamburger, you haven't taken the time to activate your, your, you know, your brain to tell your, your gut to start making stomach acid, what happens? You gobble down the hamburger. If it's not broken down well into small groups of amino acids, like one, two, three, or four, but because you don't have the proper stomach acid to break down our proteins, you know, you've got these more complex protein chains. All of a sudden, those can start to look like some of these molecules that are the dangerous strangers, that are the immune stimulating antigens. So. And I want to, I'm going to be really naughty because we don't have enough time to cover everything I want to cover anyway. But okay. you brought up one of my biggest pet peeves in the allopathic medicine world. I want to talk a little bit more about stomach acid because I, Mm -hmm. so many people, by the time they find me are on proton pump inhibitors and Mm -hmm. we're, you know, just tired. They had their, they are not breaking down their food at all. And gosh, that could be just a whole nother episode. So I I, I don't want to reschedule. I I know. I don't want to get to, we just do one per system, (laughs) but, but I, I would just kind of want you to reiterate a little bit why, because people think one of the really common systems as people are in this chronically inflamed state is Mm -hmm. heartburn. Mm -hmm. And then they're, they, the one approach the the western typical western approach mm-hmm. is well let's squash that acid right then we're losing motility we're right. it's this it's this battle so i just kind of want to highlight what what you said because i i always address it with people in taking that functional approach of, well, no, you actually mm-hmm. probably were getting heartburn because your acid was already suppressed and right. it wasn't closing. And, you know, these are the right. same people that are constipated because now they right. really, their whole system is just slowed down, but you gave me like a whole new, let's highlight again that like, we need that stomach acid <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I've got, you know, I'm, I'm a fan on, on discussions like this or like, you know, because people are listening to this or thinking, what, what can I do about this? I go to my doctor. They're putting me on the proton pump inhibitors. Here's a couple really simple things you can do starting tonight to increase your production of your stomach acid. So there's something in our body, which is known as the cephalogastric reflex. Okay. Cephalo, like cephalic head, gastro meaning stomach right? And what this is, is this, this is the preparatory stage that our body needs to begin to prepare itself for the digestive process. So what can you do to help that cephalogastric reflex? Well, driving into the McDonald's while you're talking on your cell phone, ain't it. What you can do is you can begin to create a little bit of ceremony around eating. And so what happens is as we think about food, as we prepare the food, we smell the onions that we're dicing. We, we, you know, we, we, we smell the soup that's getting ready. We, we, you know, we prepare ourselves to eat. One of the simplest things that people can do is create a degree of ceremony around eating. And like I said, this is something that your listeners can start to do tonight. And what is that? It means don't sit and eat in front of the TV. Set a place by by the table, you know, go out to the Bed Bath & Beyond and spend $12 on some napkins, light some candles, you know, ter- have people take their cell phones and, and turn them off because our body wasn't meant to digest food while we race from place to place under, you know, fluorescent lights. No, we, well, we, we can't anyway, because that's not where, that's not where our energy is. I love, it, exactly. I love that because I see, I, I love just even the change in wording. People have heard me talk about, I heard other guests talk about mindful eating and, and this mm-hmm. is what you're talking about. But mm-hmm. I like this idea of ceremony around we mm-hmm. start to digest before we put food in our mouth. We start to get our digestion mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. and, and looking at your, like taking a moment, like make your plate pretty. Right. Look at it right. before you even take your first bite. These are the things that are, are so important that may sound like luxuries, but right. as, as you mentioned, like this is how we are designed to, right. to digest our food. Um, exactly. And see, I and, had no idea you were going to go there. I love that. And, and so, so, the, so the next simple thing you can put this into place tonight is, and I know you've talked about this before, is chew your food, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, really what, what we're trying to do is we are avoiding these complex proteins, these, these three-dimensional shapes of, of amino acids and electrical charges and stuff that are going to be recognizable molecules by our immune system. So what we know is we know that if the if the immune system, and again, remember three quarters of our immune system is lining our gut, if they're exposed to smaller segments of amino acids, like one, two, because then height, one, two, or three, four, one, two, or three, four amino acids. Those are recognizable patterns. Those are those are friendly. Those are friendly. It's like, in other words, the immune system says, "Great, we're we're getting fed. We need those amino acids to run our biochemical processes." But if you're not taking time to eat, if you're not making enough di- digestive stomach acid, you're not activating your digestive enzymes. You're sending poorly digested proteins down into our lower parts of our gut, where the immune system starts to you know get a crack at what's happening. You could conceivably, or you probably are, sending these more complex collections of amino acids. And that's what a protein is. A protein is a, is a string of amino acids, much like, just imagine, remember those bar magnets we used to play with when you were kids. Yes. So if you, if you hang them end to end, they're just nice and straight, but if you kind of clump them up together, they form like a, they, they kind of all stick ball. together and form yeah. like a ball. That's what happens with proteins in our body. And if you were to take a, you know, you know that there's going to be different magnetic forces, you know, different places in that, in, in that ball. So, so it's, it's, it's structures that look just like that, that our immune system is recognizing. 
And ideally, we have an intact barrier to our gut because what happens is that as those barriers begin to break down, we start to increase the potential that some of these injurious, dangerous strangers, if I could use a, you know, I like that term, mm-hmm. can, can now elicit a response from our immune system. And like we talked about earlier, the immune system has one way of combating these dangerous strangers, which is inflammation. And that's really at the core of, of autoimmunity. And I know we're running out of time, but let me just say one other thing, which is if you go on with the, with, with the metaphor of the castle, right? Yes. Because remember, we've got, a, we've got a kingdom that loves the king and queen, right? Uh, so to switch that thinking over in your mind and think about those aren't peasants, but they're bacteria. They're the healthy type of bacteria that actually have been shown to downregulate our immune system. So what happens when a, you know, a horseman wearing all black with a face shield and a big spear starts wandering into the, into the, you know, the, the township, words can make it back to the, to the, to the kingdom that, that something's happening. So that's the same. That's how I like to look at our relationship with bacteria. Because if we have the right type of bacteria, you know, they're sort of in this metaphor akin to, you know, this, this peaceful, cooperative kingdom. You can see how as though as that starts to change, if the you know the opposing the, the marauding Gauls start you know coming in on horseback, the, we're gonna we're gonna be able to get some early warning as well. So with all those metaphors, you know, of having a having a healthy moat, having intact barriers of our castle, having our immune system, which is situated like the guards at the parapets, at the at the drawbridge, not leaving the drawbridge down at night, and having a, a kingdom of bacteria read, you know, happy peasants in your kingdom. Who are willing to help to, to keep the peace, that, that all that together works to maintain a healthy, balanced immune system. I I just love that visual. And I want to highlight for people because we hear, and you did such a beautiful job, the happy peasants. You know, I've said many times, you know, we tend to hear bacteria and think bad. And like, no, mm-hmm. not a whole bacteria. Most, most isn't. And and so I love that you you were able to to paint that picture for us, as well as the way the system is set up, as you mentioned, is to protect us. Mm-hmm. It's when we've got these chronic alarms, you know, too many marauders that are, it's just right. one after another. Exactly. That we get into this spiral and, and that's what we can, can shift. I'm going to ask you a question you may not have known I was going to ask you, which is probably dangerous as we're getting close to, <laughs> to time. But is autoimmunity healable? Can we heal? I would say yes. I th- oh, I th- well, thank I think, goodness. I, I guess well, I was rolling the dice. <laughs> I, I, th- I, think it can, I think it can be healed. I think that it's, it needs to be looked at as sort of a, a chronic, chronic disease with a potentially acute exacerbations. So I do think that we can we can undertake a series of systematic steps to optimize the way our our nutritional balance to ensure that the way that our body handles energy, which is insulin, thyroid, and cortisol, to make sure that's all all, all in balance. To ensure that our 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 gut lining is intact, that we're not putting toxins on our uh, on our skin, and finally to maintain that all of our detoxification pathways are up and running which mandates having a working gut and a working skin so you can, so you can right. sweat. I, I'm of the belief that, that, you know, sort of like once autoimmunity happens, I think the horse is sort of out of the proverbial barn, mm-hmm. so to speak. But I right. do think there is a lot that we can do to, to sort of mollify that, to kind of keep it, yeah. it, it tamped down. And, and it takes 
you know, working with someone like yourself or someone like, like me who can, can actually have a coherent science-based approach that, that allows us to look at this in a, in, in a way that's doable. So I do believe that, that, that autoimmunity can be managed, if not fully cured. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and listeners know, you know, how my life is, I've done a 180, but it is so I look at in my life, I'm symptom free, but I'm also always taking steps mm -hmm. to stay that way. One of the tricks, and I, I didn't really, it's not something I, I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast that's ever come up before. You know, one of the things I do, I don't eat out often. I like to be in control mm -hmm. of my food mm -hmm. and, and we love to cook and we love to eat clean. But when I'm traveling or I do eat out, I, I will take enzymes because mm -hmm. while my gut is healed and in a great place, especially compared to where it was when I was actively mm -hmm. sick, I look at that as insurance, right? It's like extra <laughs> right. because I don't know exactly, you know, I, I know what I think is in the food and it's like, oh, I'm not even going to gamble. I'm just going to, you know, grab myself some extra peasants. <laughs> Right. I, I, I love it. And, and, you know, here's another one of these, one of these kind of funny things where, you know, there's this myopia of, of, of mainstream medicine because how many people have gone in and said their doctors, should I take some enzyme? The doctor goes, ah, oh, that's no good. There's a reason for enzymes. But if you have a head of the pancreas cancer and you've got a Whipple procedure where you take right. out the pancreas, yeah. they give you enzymes because yeah. we know that the enzymes can be taken orally and that they work to help digest the food. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that, I mean, so, so these are all simple things that, 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 that we right. can do. I think the ceremony of eating is important. I actually have an Instagram site, which is what your doc is eating. It oh, shows I what it. I eat because I, I mean, another thing, which I think is important is it's, it's, is being healthy takes work. And, yes. and, and I know that that's something you, that you've talked about. It takes a little extra effort to go to the store. It takes some time to learn how to prepare your food. It takes some time to sit down and light the candles and fold the napkins and do the dishes and all that kind of stuff. But the payoff is a life of health. So what I do is I'm, I'm a doc who's not like, do as I say, but do as I do. I created an Instagram site that, that basically just shows how I eat. And, and so it's what, uh, what your doc is eating. And I'm sure you'll look at it after this, you know, if you haven't already. I'm totally going to check it out. I haven't, that one I haven't seen. And I do want to let listeners know we have links in the show notes, but you, it, somebody who wants to spend six weeks working with you on all of these foundational things. I know that you've, you've got your program up and running, which is an amazing opportunity for people to not only learn from you, but learn in community, which is so effective. And, and we'll have those, those links too. You already gave us, I always ask at the end of the podcast, what's one step listeners can take. You can reiterate if, if, mm. if it's the ritual or it's your opportunity to sneak in another one. It's up to you. No, this is, this is something I know that you've spoken about on your podcast, and it's, it's, it's one of the simplest things that we can do, but it's probably one of the most important. And if I could give you a one-word answer, it would be breathe. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and I know it's funny because there's, you know, that we could talk about, you know, like the dendritic cells and the different arms of the immune system and the different enzymes you can take. But the, at the end of the day, the most important thing that we can do to maintain a state of health is to keep our cortisol and our stress response in check because cortisol diverts blood away from the, from the skin. It diverts blood away from the gut. And it would make sense that if, I mean, I didn't mention this, but you know, the lining of the gut regenerates itself every three days. So if it's not getting the right amount of blood flow, 
then you're increasing the risk that the those cells that line the interior of the gut, instead of being like nice connected like this, they start to develop some yeah. leakiness. I, and I always talk about the brick wall behind me. That's kind that's of that's right. That's my it's my gut barrier. Right. <laughs> see, 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 you've been thinking about barriers for you know for a long time. We just need to, have, to get on just, the show and articulate it's, it. It's just exactly. It's all putting it in language people understand. And again, mm-hmm. for people who learn like I do, giving the visual. People listening on audio right now are like, what wall behind her? You know, they, they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so what what amazing gold. And I know you just gave listeners that what your doc is eating is where to find you on Instagram, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I can't wait to check out what you've been eating. And, and well, I, ha- I have to warn you that I'm not, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm an omnivore. I, I, I As eat, am I. <laughs> I eat well, red meat we want to be in, healthy. In free. I'm a big fan of the of the of the statement "eat a rainbow," right? Yeah, one of my favorites. And and but I, think I joke. Most- I say, I you know, yes, I have a plant. But when people say they eat plant based, I'm like, you have to define that for me because I say I eat plant based as well. But I also eat right. you know, pastured meat and wild caught fish. And, you know, I think so. I think that's that's what our body needs because yeah. we start to look at it from a metabolic standpoint. There are essential amino acids that our body can't make. There are essential fatty acids that we get in fish, like the omega-3s. And don't get me started talking about omega-3 index and autoimmunity, because that that would probably require a whole additional podcast. I I, Um, we could do one on like D's omega-3s, you know, we we could just make a little list of hormone, you know, the whole right, the whole thing. So Scott, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've shared amazing gold and you've done it in a way that hopefully was as fun for listeners as, as it was for me. I'm, I will quote you every time, but I will, I am stealing your castle. All right. I'm building my own. How about that? That's, that's, I hope, I hope, I hope that everybody out there builds a castle. And I just want you to say that it's really been my pleasure. I, you know, I so look for these opportunities to be able to share knowledge. I mean, I think we're, we're entering a new time and that time is characterized by, we were talking about this earlier, democratization of medicine. I mean, let's, let's make a a cogent science-based, compassionate, realistic way of healing that isn't reactive. That's not just allopathic. And I think, so given any opportunity to be on a podcast or speak to someone like yourself, I'm going to jump at it. And really this was, this has been as as enjoyable for me as it, as it was for you. And I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to, to, to share this. And, and, and the the castle is royalty free. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I love it. It truly, truly my pleasure. And for everyone listening, remember, you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this as much as I did. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.